0: Amen. Thank you, Mark. You know, the river is an image from both Genesis and Revelation. There's a river of life that flows in the Garden of Eden, and there's also a river of life that flows in the new creation, the new Jerusalem at the end of the story. And we are looking forward to that day when all things will be made new, and we will gather at the river that flows by the throne of God. But we also gather at the river now as we come into God's presence in this present moment. And that's what we're talking about today and all month long, really, entering into God's presence through prayer. That's what we're going to be talking about all month long, this practice and the power of prayer. It's called Too Deep for Words, this new series that we're going to be in this whole month. And we're going to be talking about about prayer, and we're going to do prayer together as God's people here in this place. And the, the title, "Too Deep for Words, comes from this amazing promise that we have in, in the, the letter to the Romans. I know most of us don't feel like we're experts in prayer. Most of us probably feel like our prayer lives are, are lacking in some way, shape, or form. If we're honest, we, we probably don't even know how to pray or what to pray for a lot of the time. And that's okay because Paul felt the same way <laughs> in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 he says the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought we don't know paul says the, the greatest apostle that ever lived says i don't know what to pray for like i ought to but the spirit helps us the spirit himself intercedes that means he's a go between for us with groanings too deep for words. Human expression can't even tell God what we need to pray, but the Spirit helps us by interceding for us with groans that are too deep for words. I love that. So it's gonna be a great month. I hope you've all had a chance, like I said, to pick up one of those purplish Lenten uh, prayer guides. This is the season of Lent. That's the color that you'll see around here this month, this purple color, as we prepare our hearts for Easter. We started on March 1st, which was Thursday, with with Trey's devotion, like Richard mentioned. It's not too late to join us, though. You can jump in today, read Jamie's devotion, and and just keep going the rest of the month. But I really want us to pray together as a church the same direction, the same things each and every day. If every person in this church will, will hit their knees and pray to the Lord, we'll see things happen that we can't even imagine in this place. So I can't wait to see how God's gonna speak to us as individuals and as a collective body as we seek him together this month. And for January and February, we were walking through the letter to the Ephesians together looking at how God's people uh, have been built into this house, this dwelling place for him to to dwell in uh, as, as the sanctuary of God, the church of God. And we talked about how God's given us all these amazing gifts that we've been given every spiritual blessing in heaven and and on earth is ours because of Christ Jesus, that God has has blessed us with all of these amazing blessings and spiritual resources. But all of those gifts, all the the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us, all of those gifts really are not experienced except through prayer. Prayer is, is the avenue by which we receive and by which we use and by which we enjoy all the spiritual blessings that God has for us. If we're not people of prayer, then we miss out on all of those spiritual blessings and resources. So many of us simply don't utilize this incredible resource that we've been given. It's, it's like we've got some huge, enormous trust fund set aside for our church that someone's given us millions of dollars for Woodmont Baptist Church, and all we have to do is is set aside a few focused minutes each day, and and deposits will be credited to our account. And we say, nah, not worth it. I'm really too busy. I can't can't afford a few minutes a day. Sorry. Bill Hybels has a great little book called Too Busy Not to Pray. (laughs) Too busy not to pray. In a finance committee, I think someone said something about couldn't afford to tithe, and, and John Hayes, our chairman, said, I can't afford not to tithe. I thought that was great. Tim Keller said that his wife, Kathy, came up with a great illustration similar to this. They said they were going through a really hard season of life. He was, he was pastoring his church plant in Manhattan, and it was right after 9-11. He said the whole city was kind of in a, a, a group depression And his wife was struggling with Crohn's disease, a chronic condition. And he himself had just been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And something had to give. So his wife asked him to pray with her every night. Every night. Thank God for godly spouses, right? (laughs) Who push us and encourage us and make us better. She said, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you get around to it some nights? No, it would be so crucial that you would never forget, you would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, We're we're not going to make it because of all we're facing, she said. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. Our lives depend on it. Why is it so hard for us to pray then? Why is it so difficult for God's people to enter into communion with Him? Well, for first, I think a lot of us, we just don't understand it. We, We don't know what prayer is. We need to be taught to pray and then practice it often. It's just like a good golf swing or a a jump shot or piano concerto or playing the guitar or speaking a foreign language. I was talking to two of our college students who are from Honduras here today, and I said, I need to practice a lot. And they said, well, we'll help you. And and, uh, Mary Lou said, I'll only speak to you in Spanish. And I said, what? It was in Spanish. I couldn't understand what she was saying, so she had to translate it. It has to be practiced over and over again until it becomes like you know, in, in sports they talk about muscle memory. You know, where, where Jeff Hammer catches that ball, he just shoots it. He doesn't think about his form because it's just muscle memory the way he shoots the basketball. He had a four-point play, by the way, to win the He loves when I talk about him. Uh, four-point play to win the game on Thursday night. We were down by three with six seconds left. He got fouled on the three-pointer, hit the free throw to win the game. It was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I missed two layups in the first half that would have won the game. All right, I think that just like, uh, you know, muscle memory is something that has to be practiced over and over again, the same thing is true with prayer. Another thing, too, I think that a lot of us may be dealing with is, is what I call functional atheism. Of course, we wouldn't identify as atheists. We, we wouldn't be in church today if we thought of ourselves as atheists, probably. But many of us function like atheists, as if God doesn't really exist, As if God doesn't really care about our ongoing daily lives. As if God is not sovereignly in control of all that we do and all that we are. I think a lot of times we live our lives like the little boy who is praying by his bedside with his mom and his grandma standing by. It's usually the ladies that are the spiritual nurturers in their home, unfortunately. The little boy's praying there with his mom and grandma watching, and he says, Dear God, please bless mom and dad and and help us all to have a good night's sleep. And then he prayed, and please don't forget to get me a new bike for my birthday. Amen. And his mom said, Honey, you don't have to shout. God's not deaf. And the little boy said, I know, but grandma is. (laughs) I think a lot of us are like that little boy. I think that we don't actually believe in our hearts that prayer really changes our situation. I think we rely on worldly things like grandmas to provide for us. I think we look to things like our jobs to provide for us. I think we look to our budgets to provide for us. I think we look to things that are of this world because we function like an atheist. The thing is that this world, though, can't give us what our hearts ultimately desire. The world can't bring us the supernatural blessings that God has for us in Christ Jesus. The world always lets us down, right? People who've lived long enough, I love that we're a multi-generational church because we have the wisdom of the elders here who tell us this world will always let you down. Trust me, I've lived it. St. Augustine, who the, the bishop in North Africa in the 300s and the 400s, he prayed to God, O oh Lord, you have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You have formed us for yourself, O oh Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's, by the way, that's, that's quoted from Augustine's prayer journal, Confessions. You can buy it in any bookstore in town. Tim Keller says this about prayer in his his book. It has a great, clever title. It's called Prayer. He says, prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. We're talking about moving inward today. Genuine self-knowledge. It's also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. That's an Augustine phrase as well, the reordering of our loves, getting our values back in line. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It's the way we know God, the way that we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be In life. That's a bold statement. I hope that this morning you're convinced that that's true. If we're going to thrive and if we're going to flourish as God's people, both as individuals and corporately as Woodmont Baptist Church, then we must be people of prayer. We must be a praying congregation. If we're going to find rest for our souls and have the desires of our hearts satisfied, completely. It's only going to happen through prayer. So we're going to journey all month long through these these four different movements that happen when we pray. I've borrowed three of these from Richard Foster in his his book, also called Prayer. Very clever title as well. First, Richard Foster says that we we move inward when we pray. That's what we're talking about today. Keller said that prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. When we take a step back from the the busyness of this life and the noise of this world and the advertising culture that we're saturated in with multimedia, we get a chance to gain perspective on who we are and who God is and who we are in relation to who God is and, and what God is calling us to be and to do. Then next week we're gonna move upward as we enjoy perfect fellowship and communion with God, our Heavenly Father. We enjoy this awe and intimacy with our good, good Father. And then the third week, our very own Reverend Trey Heyman is going to bring us a word about moving downward into the dark night of the soul when we feel like God is distant and our prayers just hit the ceiling and, and bounce back. You know, even Jesus felt like that at one point. It's okay. And then finally, the last week in March, we're going to wrap up this series on Palm Sunday talking about moving outward, praying for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm certainly not an expert on prayer. I'm not a professional prayer either, despite what some of you may think. Prayer is hard for me too most of the time. It doesn't come naturally to me. You know, I read about this one sweet Sunday school teacher who asked the pastor to come and help open the combination lock on the supply cabinet in her Sunday school room. And the pastor says, sure, I'll help you. And he goes into her Sunday school room, and he spins the lock to the first number, and then he spins the lock to the second number, and then he thinks real hard about the third number and gazes up to heaven. And then he puts in the third number, pops the lock off, and they'll sweet science school teacher says, pastor, I'm amazed by your faith and the, the power of your prayers that you were able to discern that number for the lock. The pastor said, yeah, thanks. And by the way, for future reference, the combination is written on that piece of tape right there on the ceiling. So just look up there. I got jokes today. As we, as we talk about this topic of, of prayer, as we talk about the, the idea of praying, we're still going to be looking to scriptures to guide us. I don't, I don't preach topically, I preach the Bible. It's God's Word that does never return empty. We're going to look to the prayer book of the Bible. It's a collection of, of prayers that were often set to music and sung, but at their heart they are prayers, the Psalms, or a, a, a whole complete combination of prayers. I've learned in my personal devotion times over really the last five to ten years to pray the Psalms over and over again, even when it's not in our Bible reading plan to go to the Psalms and pray through them. Even when I don't know what else to pray, I've found that the Spirit does indeed intercede for me when I pray the words of the Psalms. So as we begin this series by moving inward, I thought it would be appropriate for us to look at a a Psalm that talks about knowing God and being known in our innermost parts by God psalm 139 so let's stand this morning if you're able to in honor of god's word as i read psalm 139 verses 1 to 14 and then verses 23 and 24 hear the word of the lord O lord you have searched me and known me you know when i sit down and when i rise up you discern my thoughts from afar Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night as bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Then verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. What a beautiful and powerful psalm that is, isn't it? When I told Richard I was going to be preaching on Psalm 139, he said, oh, I love Psalm 139. One commentary I read said this, any small thoughts we may have of God are magnificently transcended by this psalm, yet for all its height and depth, it remains intensely personal from first to last. It's true, isn't it? We see here that God is omnipotent, that He's all-powerful, and He's omniscient. He knows everything about us and everything about each person. And He's omnipresent. He's everywhere we go. He's this amazingly great God. And yet, He knitted us together in our mother's wombs. He's an intimately personal God to each one of us. When we talk about moving inward in prayer... The key to remember is that God is not some distant deity, some impersonable and unknowable divine force. You know, all the the eastern religions and a lot of modern spirituality see God and and the divine as kind of like the force in Star Wars, right? It's kind of like this energy that just kind of flows through everything, and if you meditate hard and kind of go unconscious, then you can experience God. That's not Christian prayer. That's not Christian approach to the Christian triune God. Christian prayer is about a relationship with the living God. We can approach Him boldly and converse with Him as beloved children do with a good Father. How is that possible? How can it be that we who are broken and flawed and sinful people, how can we who are so prone to to fall on our faces with temptation, how can we who are created from the dust, how can we have a personal living relationship with the high and holy God of the universe? Well, that's the good news. God has forged a way for us to be able to enter into and experience a personal inner relationship with Himself, and He's done that through the work of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23, give us this gospel assurance. Because of the gospel, we can enter into a loving relationship with God. It says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. James 4 8 says, Draw near to God, and what? He will draw near to you. Draw near. If you don't hear anything else today, draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Some people here today have an evil conscience. They feel like God could never accept me because of all that I've done. You don't know all the bad things I've done in my life, Nathan. It doesn't matter. You're not defined by your past anymore. Your hearts can be sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ. Our bodies can be washed, it says in verse 22, with pure water. You can be reborn and made new. Verse 23, let us hold fast then the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. See, this whole gospel doesn't depend on your ability to understand it or to relate it or to even receive it because it all depends on Jesus' ability to ensure it. That's the gospel. Jesus has done it and he is faithful. The gospel of Jesus enables us as God's children now to have this real inner relationship with God Almighty, the, the same God who's the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth, the the hosts of angel armies that he commands is the same God that we can have an inner relationship with on a constant daily basis. If that's true, then we would be fools to go through life on our own feeble strength apart from the Lord of angel armies. Depending on our own pathetic human resources, while there's an invitation to enter into divine communion with the all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God is available to us now. We were created for this purpose. We were created to be in relationship with him, and our souls will never be satisfied until we are in communion with our Father. And because of Jesus, we don't have to fear anything coming into his presence It is true that none of us are worthy to enter into his holy presence on our own. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is true. None of us are able, therefore, to stand before the majesty of his glory. The weight of his glory would crush us. But praise be to God, who's covered all of our sin and shame with his amazing grace. God now stands ready to receive us with open arms, as a good, good father who received the prodigal son after squandering his inheritance and living in the far country and came home with his head hung in shame and his father ran on the road to meet him with his arms wide out. That's our God. He longs for us to be in relationship with him. He's saddened by our refusal To come to Him and are squandering our inheritance in the far country. He calls us into the beauty of His holiness with open arms. So now before we move into a time of prayer, I want to just point out three keys that I see in this text that give us the confidence to enter into a, a relationship with God, to draw near to Him in prayer. First, we can draw near to to him because he knows us. It's not like some stranger that you don't want to, you know, talk to. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us intimately. He knows every hair on our head. He knows us inside and out because he has searched us and he has known us. Before we say a word, he knows what we're going to say. He knows our every thought. He goes ahead of us and behind us. He hymns us in. We're never hidden from him. Adam and Eve tried to sow fig leaves and hide. And God said, where are you? We know that God knew exactly where they are. He wanted to hear what kind of lie Adam was telling to himself. What kind of story Adam was telling to himself. God asks you today, where are you? Where are you? He longs for you to come out of hiding and to be with him. He knows us, and yet he still loves us. So many of us think, man, if those people only knew me, they would not love me. If they only knew the real me, there's no way they would accept me. Our God really knows you, the real you, better than you know yourself, and he accepts you perfectly. The gospel is this, that we are more flawed and broken than we ever could have imagined, but we are also at the same time more accepted and loved than we ever could have dared to hope. It's true, which leads us to the second reason that we can draw close to God. He made us for himself. He knit us together in our mother's wombs. I know a lot of people who who look in the mirror and they, they feel like God made a mistake when he made them. Well, God doesn't make mistakes. His works are wonderful and marvelous. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, each and every one of us, praise God. But our culture glorifies so-called self-made people, people who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, right? There's no such thing as self-made people. We are God-made. It's impossible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, my wife and I saw the the new movie, The, The Greatest Showman. It's got a ton of great music in it. It's so catchy. It's a pretty clean movie. It's a, you know, fun movie to see. But as I thought about the lyrics over and over again, it's really based on this lie. This sad lie, it's, it's about figuring out who you are and just being yourself and making your own way in this world. The key song at the climax of the movie says in the chorus, look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat, I drum, I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies, this is me. It's pathetic. It doesn't work. It's false doctrine because life doesn't make sense marching to the beat of our own drum because we are not self-made. We are God-made. Life only makes sense when we march to the beat of his drum. We all need validation from a higher source. We all need to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Our current culture says just Figure out who you are and what your heart wants and follow that and don't let anybody get in your way. It doesn't work. You can't make yourself. So we don't really know who we are. We don't even know what we want. Our hearts are liars. Jeremiah 17:9 says: the human heart is deceitful above all else, and it's desperately sick. I heard a new arcade fire song. Y'all like Arcade Fire? I heard them on the radio. It's called Creature Comfort. The chorus says, it goes on and on, I don't know what I want, on and on, I don't know if I want it. Our desires, our loves are in need of reordering. We have to understand what God wants and connect with him through prayer. The final reason to draw near to God in prayer is the last phrase of the last verse here. When we're close to God's heart, when we draw near to him, then we are walking in the way everlasting, the eternal way, the good way. Don't you want to flourish in this life? Don't you want to thrive? Or are you content to just survive? Are you content to just make it through each day? Are you content to just get by? That's a tough way to live, man. I've lived like that before. God invites us all to experience The joy of the way everlasting. That's when we really flourish. That's when we really thrive in the eternal way of God. Let's pray together now. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us the eternal way, the good way, the everlasting way that is only entered into after you have searched us, And you have known us and you have tried our anxious thoughts. When you have purged the wicked way from us by the blood of Jesus. Then we draw near to you with boldness, with confidence that our hearts have been sprinkled clean, that our bodies have been washed with the pure water of salvation. That we've been reborn into a new birth of baptism. God, I pray that you would forgive us for turning away from you and you invite us into communion with yourself. Forgive us for looking to the things of this world to define us or to provide for us. When we get our loves out of order, oh God, reorder our loves. May we draw near to you now. May you draw near to us in prayer. Teach us to pray, oh God. Make us people of prayer. Help us to seek you with all of our hearts and lead us into the way everlasting. We pray these things in the high and the holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.